podcast is rated R. It contains violence, adult learning, spoilers, and adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Nothing has done that to you. You've done it to yourself. Why do you have to deny everything because I say? Because I do not value your judgment. We need to be working together, man. Welcome, everyone, to the Kill the Dead podcast. I'm Gray. He's Jay. Say what up, Jay. What's up, people? Tonight, we're going to kick off our first official show with a review of The Ritual, a film by David Bruckner. Who at first, I didn't think I really knew who David Bruckner was, but after a quick internet search, I realized that he did direct one of my favorite segments of VHS, as well as that film went on to become a feature called Siren, which I also enjoyed as well. And you know, with that being said, without giving too much away right now, I would say that this film was a great continuation of someone that's going to have a good career in the horror genre. What did you think, Jay? No, I actually, uh, yeah, I actually loved uh, this movie in terms of what it did and what it delivered. And I always tell you, I rate a movie based on if it delivers what it set out to do. And this one did that. You know, and I agree. I, I think it did a real good job with setting the tone in this film. It at times felt very realistic, authentic, as far as the interaction of these characters between each other. I remember... A while ago, I heard something about it last fall, and I wanted to watch it then, but of course, it's a foreign movie, so we always have to play that wait-and-see game if it'll come to the States. And then, you know, one way or another, I forgot about it until you mentioned it a couple weeks ago, and I was like, oh yeah, I did want to see that film. So, you mentioned David Bruckner, and he did the VHS, um, I guess real quick, that the segment he did... uh, I think it was uh, Amateur Night. I had to look it up. That's yeah. like, like VHS. Yeah, VHS has one of those kind of underground cult followings. And it does have that grainy VHS tape feel to it, which personally I'm a fan of. And um, yeah, that Amateur Night, that was, uh, I think that was the standout featurette of that that particular movie. So David Bruckner's um, pedigree, like that alone was enough to say, okay, yeah, let's let's see what else this guy has on his resume definitely i think the acquisition of this movie by netflix was a really smart play by them i mean it did get released in the uk however the rest of us have had to wait because from what i understand netflix secured the rights to it after it premiered at the uh, toronto film festival really what i really found to be interesting though is that the film was actually produced by andy circus production team which I didn't really even know he had something like that going on for him. You know, he's mostly known for his character acting. So for him to be doing other things behind the scenes was kind of really cool for me to see. 
right to the movie, which I enjoyed, but knowing that there's that name carrying that much, um, having that name on the resume, it, it does add a little bit more to the to the production value. Oh, for sure. I mean, even his place in the Black Panther movie was short, but still effective. I mean, he, he just commands that screen presence. Um, He played, who did he play? Was he Claw? Yeah. He was Claw, that was Andy Serkis. Yeah. Dude, let me tell you, all right. I don't even want to get off into all that. Yeah, but we'll leave it at that. Yeah, he, he played a hell of a claw. I liked him. So with his uh, production team, I mean, I, I would say that The Ritual as a uh, Netflix exclusive, definitely, you know, it's it's a good addition to his resume. Which definitely brings me to the question of is how does Netflix make money? Like spending $4 million to acquire this film and then we just watch it paying our standard 11 bucks a month how does Netflix determine the value in that? I don't know, man. Clicks per view. I don't know. Was it CPM? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like it's, it's the whole six clicks per minute formula. You know, like the longer people watch, the more it, it calculates into the value, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's got to make the most sense. I mean, I guess they can always look at the data and say, hey, this many people were watching it at these hours or whatever and give iTunes or Shutter or whoever the equivalent dollar mark of what they need to pay to buy the rights to let people view it on their format. Bingo. So here's one thing I was wondering about. Now the ritual, it's a I mean it's a British film. Did it I'm guessing it released over in the UK and then Netflix uh acquired the rights. Is that how it worked? Kind of a yes or no answer. The film did get released on Friday the 13th in October, but it was viewed at the Toronto Film Festival, and that's where Netflix acquired it after it screened. Well, it feels like, to me, it, it, it really felt like something that was, uh, I don't want to say a, a quick project, but it's a project that it got done. It apparently it had strong enough buzz in the uh, festival and Netflix came in and said, yeah, we'll take that like right away and go ahead and release it in the States because uh, one moment it's not there. And then like one day I just hopped on Netflix and it was like featured as right. one of the new releases. And I'm like, oh, okay, this looks good. I, you know, I like the premise. And you know how Netflix is now where they have the, uh, like the instant start uh, previews where you can just kind of quote unquote mouse over the feature and it'll just start showing the preview right away right i mean for horror for me it's one of those things where there's never a it's not so much a lack of stories it's more about how you tell it you know and we had this talk uh just recently when i showed you my horror rating system and what does it come down to slasher supernatural uh you know zombie demon you know something like that and it, you know it's just one of those things where there's an infinite amount of stories but there's only so many horror genres that you can cover so I was totally fine with the premise of the ritual you know and the word was out oh this is another Blair Witch type and I think I saw something where it's talking about oh it has a found uh, like a found footage feeling to it. and I'm like no this is this is more of a feature like this this qualifies as a feature it's not so much found footage 
it, you know, it had a nice, clean production feel to it. So I was looking for more of a, more of a grainy type of feeling, even mm. though obviously cameras now are 4K or whatever, but it, it, it felt more of a feature to uh, feature for me, and I, I was totally fine with that. I liked it a lot. Well, let's just get into the premise here. Uh, the movie starts with a group of friends a night out in town. They're having fun, but the night's starting to wind down. But then there's that one friend that just hasn't had enough fun, and he's trying to coax his friends into staying out longer. Eventually, him and his friend go into the convenience store where they enter in the middle of a robbery in progress, and you see um, a woman that's possibly been injured or an employee, perhaps. And then the two burglars come out with a second employee and or customer. And Luke, who turns out to be the main character, kind of hangs back and shuts down and hides while his friend is basically bludgeoned to death, I want to say. Um, you see him get struck with something that borderline looks like it. I thought it was a pipe, but then the cut looks like a knife and both things are in the scene. So I don't know which one actually caused his demise or the laceration on his face. Ah, yeah. I mean, you know what? It's weird that, okay, so we, we got to go ahead and juxtapose this real quick. So the, the story hinges on that fact that he watched that tragic thing happened to his friend and, and he was paralyzed with fear and I do like that emotional weight tied into the, the monster plot but okay so here's where this plot really hit home recently what was the uh, the most recent school shooting the subplot that stood out the school guard like he kind of hid and didn't react but he right. knew what was going on so and, and that's one of the uh the effective that's one of the effective uh driving forces is when a a horror movie can tie in that emotional weight like guilt and the, the tragic loss of a friend into the the monster story so you know for me watching that movie and then having that event happen just weeks later then I went back and watched it again, and it did add a little more to that. I think from an outsider looking in, not understanding the type of fear that goes on, sure, the judgment can be passed on as, you know, oh, you shut down, you can't handle it. So having that happen in Florida, and of course, with it also happening in this film, lets people know that this does happen to people. But getting back to the storyline, you realize that this opening scene is just actually a nightmare uh, that the main character Luke is having. They're actually on a hiking trip to honor their friend that did pass away or didn't survive that situation. And the remaining survivors are all there to pay tribute to their friend. And so they encroach upon this hiking trip to pay homage, their respects, yada, yada, yada. Everything you're supposed to do when someone dies, right? So they're along this trail, and then I guess the most annoying character I find at this point, Dom, somehow falls and trips or something to the point to where he's hurt his ankle, sprained his ankle. But if you look at it, it's just bad acting. Like, I was just like, what just happened? It was like, took me out of it for a second. You know, that's funny you said that because 
when he did it, when he twisted his ankle, and then they 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 went as far as describe the type of injury. I'm like, that injury doesn't happen like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, they were all yeah. They like they went into like full medical detail. I'm like, he stepped on a twig. Like what the. <laughs> But it's one of those plot devices where they, I guess they try to uh, legitimize the injury. Like, yeah, this guy's not going to be able to walk for days while you guys are lost in the woods because he turned his ankle and it caused this, you know, tibular fracture or whatever, the meniscus or whatever. I'm like, all right. Which was a little It's like a basketball injury. <laughs> yeah. Either way, the group has no chance but to keep pressing on. So eventually, after hiking for a while, they have to make camp. They stumble upon this dilapidated cabin. And obviously, it's the best place to take shelter. Dom can rest. They can do whatever they got to do and start over again in the morning. So then we go to what is apparently, at this point at least, a reoccurring nightmare for Luke. He's back in the store. There's a little exchange when he's holding the bottle of alcohol where... It looks like he's contemplating drinking. Either he gave it up or maybe he has an addiction problem. And that seems to be troubling him then. And then, as, then you see some liquid, possibly blood, appear in the bottle. Luke appears to be injured. And then that's when he awakes and he realizes that something happened while they were sleeping. So I have to ask, maybe you can clear this up for me. Was it that he was hallucinating and having nightmares, or was that uh, onset by the like the Norse demon or the whatever demon that was bringing that, causing those hallucinations? I did end up having some revelations after watching the film, but the very first time I saw it, obviously watching it, I didn't know what was going on. By the time the film ended, I realized that everyone was having a nightmare and it was the demon judging to see if they were worthy enough to receive this mark and i don't know what significance of their nightmares that were because we never got to see them and it would be interesting if there was a cut of everyone's nightmare on the cutting room floor somewhere just because of time and continuity um they had to take it out and just concentrate on Luke. But that is what I took away from it is that they were being judged. So uh, obviously Luke is suffering from the loss of his friends. Maybe no one else is suffering would be what I would go with or they don't have a hard enough life. So the demon isn't looking at them in that way. So when they say the ritual, and in essence, this entire movie was actually a ritual being played out where the demon, like you said, the demon's actually judging them one by one. And I guess finding them not being worthy. And uh, it looks like at one point Luke was like marked as what? Like as being accepted? Yeah. Uh, I didn't understand that either. No one seemed to be concerned that he had four puncture marks in his chest or try to fix it. Or give him some bandages. Nothing. You know what? You're yeah. You're right about that. He didn't even treat it. <laughs> I just thought yeah. about that. They're just like fuck it for some reason. It, it's it is what it is, and they move on. It isn't until later that you find out that, that this is a Norse god, and 
he's been chosen for worshiping this god yeah it was it was like um oh man i gotta say the 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 creature effects was that was pretty badass i mean this thing like at first and i do like the the gradual reveal at first it just looks like a giant elk yeah And and then it looks like some kind of like tree monster and then the reveal at the end, you're just like, it's like a big what the F moment. Like, what is this? <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure this was the one time that the ritual did not go right at all because of Luke's actions. So yeah, they were like freaking the hell out. And at that point, it wasn't even about Luke anymore. It was more like, all right, uh, we need to feed this uh, tree elk human demon thing. And uh, yeah, it kind of threw, uh, threw the whole ritual off. So I can imagine how at that point it was more about, all right, we're in deep shit to hell with Luke. (laughs) And this is where the, I guess the film kind of gets a Blair Witch type uh, notation. Uh, You know, the trees obviously have carvings in them. They are some type of Wicca, Wiccan type, I don't know, scripture. I don't don't know what it is. It might not even say anything. I'm not an expert in reading make-believe but I I don't really think that it should be compared to the film at all I mean this is dealing with something that's tangible it's in your face these people know exactly what they're worshiping exactly what they're scared of it isn't anything where people have to believe in something the monster demon God whatever you want to call him is a tangible being unlike the Blair Witch oh for sure and I mean, okay, so you and I will probably depart on that on that thought because I'm done with the Blair Witch. I think it was a great moment in like film history, but I think with the with the remake, they did enough with that. And I'm like, okay, you know, it was it was a good moment. Like this, in my opinion, with the Blair Witch comparisons and then actually watching it, I'm like, this doesn't really have much to do with the Blair Witch other than you know, there, there's some kind of witchcraft going on and they're lost in the woods. But that type of uh, story precedes the Blair Witch. So I felt with the introducing the, the demon aspect and it tapping, it was tapping more into the uh, Norse mythology, which is probably like a thousand years old. I said, OK, this to me, this was more than what the Blair Witch was even about, if that makes any sense. Yeah, like this to me again. This like this transcends Blair Witch. Like this belongs like with Krampus, for example. <laughs> yeah, like this has been around for like this monster can they can extend this this uh, Norse demon into its own little you know anthology or whatever. I could definitely see that. I mean, in the attic, you do have these people who are living upstairs, either dead or presumably dying decaying definitely several of them look beetlejuice in nature did you say beetlejuice beetlejuice yes that's it name's beetlejuice die it twice just say it once more come on <laughs> you know i don't know if you thought of this angle uh these people are probably trapped in a living hell it was definitely hard for me to try to wrap my head around that is that you have these people upstairs who are promised immortality basically dead like they can't move they can't do anything but sit at that altar and then you have the people downstairs who are like trying to get to that goal of being the people upstairs 
at some point someone's got to be like hey immortality is not worth being a rotten corpse for a millennia or so um i mean it could go either way i would like to think for them that fire would set them free because once when i saw that the first thing I thought was like, oh, well, okay, you're immortal, but that doesn't mean you don't decay. <laughs> I was like, exactly. oh, that that's a <laughs> shitty deal. <laughs> yeah. So why is it no one can see that ending up in that attic is not immortality? Such, which, which took me to the thing, to the point where, okay, so they're in a living hell. Like this is more of a hell for them. Like they're forced in a way to serve this demon God and yeah they're they're quote unquote kept alive but they're kept alive for a purpose they're not granted immortality like thank you my good and humble servant you'll be beautiful they're like no i'm going to keep you alive perpetually and you're going to find me more subjects right or, or, or suffer a horrible death you know so it's like ah do i live forever or do i get impaled you know <laughs> It really does leave things open for an interesting sequel possibly because you saw that the god took the woman's eyes outside and presumably killed her and her life was ended so she wasn't immortal anymore as to where luke was the person that set the fire upstairs in the attic so maybe these people are just badly burned but not necessarily dead and that's where a sequel could take off now as to what kind of condition their bodies are in I mean, that's that's just shitty because, you know, it's just burnt crispy pieces. I mean, that will suck. I, I would like to believe for their sake, I guess, <laughs> that fire is the all consuming way to get to escape this existence. Because if they're just if they're if they're a burnt corpse with a conscience, that that really sucks for them. It's like it's almost like you have to kill the demon to even be set free. I mean, real quick, if you liken this to Deadpool, where he looks like shit all the time, but can regenerate. So he's still able body, although he'll live forever versus these people who will live forever and just look like shit all the time and will continuously get worse. Well, damn, you just made this movie a little bit worse. <laughs> worse than no, a good movie worse in terms of fate, like their fate sucked. <laughs> yeah. And there's no bonus to worshiping this thing other than you don't have to die in your first thousand years. You know, I, I want to say that the fire did kill him. The only reason I feel that way is because the demon has the choice of, of allowing eternal life or killing because he did kill the girl. Like, it's not like he just ripped her open and she's still alive. Like, I, I want to say he killed her, correct? Yeah. All right. So let's, let's just you know let's for their own peace and peace of mind let's say that fire did kill them <laughs> so let's bring it to the ending luke escapes this hutch hut i don't know why it's continually getting smaller but uh he gets his first glimpse of the god he's just far enough away to where he's not in direct harm so he really takes his time and you see this i don't know massive creature that is half elk, half human, but it's it's put together in such a way that you really can't tell what part of the human it is. I mean, this thing is uh, effectively scary looking. Like I would not want to be caught in the woods with whatever this creature is. That thing was something from the depths of your subconscious 
nightmare. It, that was a serious what the F am I looking at? Like, I didn't even know what I was looking at at that point. Yeah, I was just blown away. I was, I was definitely thinking whatever this monster is looks great. Yes. But I was, what is that? Right. I, I couldn't, no. Like, I need to pay more attention to Norse mythology. This was a good interpretation of whatever. Uh, I mean, for the listening audience out there who hasn't seen the ritual yet, I you know, it, just talking about creature effects, it, it looked like kind of a tree torso stacked on top of an elk with like a little evil human hiding inside of it with like baby arms. <laughs> And then I guess like an elk head crammed on top of that, like a demon head. Like it was, it was just the most bizarre shit I've ever seen. And it could run, like it, it like it could totally chase you down. And that never actually you you put that well. It is a tree torso. I never I thought it looked weird, and I was just like, no, it's a human being. But it's really exactly what you keep seeing: endless amounts of trees. With very little mm-hmm. branches. Right. Which I didn't yeah. realize that until the end. That this is a god. And the reason that they can't get out is because he can control the horse. Right. Like, remember in that moment where he's like, there's a path. That's got to be the way out. And then it led them straight to where the demise was going to happen. Ultimately. Right. Now, I mean, I, I think in... Uh... As far as like witchcraft go, if there's like any Wiccans listening, they can correct the comment section, or whatever. But like one of the, uh, you know, one of the aspects of, of witchcraft is, is just the ability to to use and manipulate the uh, environment around you, which you know, the ability to navigate a forest or to twist it in a way to make it more maze-like. And like you said, this thing, this demon god, had the ability to keep them lost but then also clear a path to lead them where it wanted them to end up at. Yeah. And you, I definitely didn't realize that until you have that moment where he's like, in that cabin, him and Dom are talking, and he just been taken out to what you thought was gonna be where they killed him, and they bring him back in. And he tells Luke what his nightmare was about. We don't get any other insight into anyone else's nightmares. But that's the clue that you're like, oh, they all had nightmares. Yes. And when they were being judged. So I was like, okay. And then he's saying that he saw this moment in his nightmare, except his wife was there. And then that was the only difference. So he knew his death was coming the whole time, but for whatever reason, no one wanted to talk about that nightmare. Well, yeah, and I, you know, I could totally buy that because I'm sure you've had, like I've had, and pretty much anyone had, sometimes you just have the craziest, just freaking weirdest nightmare that you just want to forget it. Like you don't want to, it's so bizarre, you don't want to bring it back up. You just, you're trying to forget it, let alone talk about it. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. And I guess that goes back to kind of the, the acting here. Like, I, I think this thing was written very well. Uh, the bickering and the camaraderie between the four of them 
or technically five, while the other one was alive. But the four of them core was mm-hmm. great. Yes. I really believe that those arguments were happening between the book and the friends. Or that for sure. in the way they persevered through everything. Like that looked like any group of friends that we know. Yeah, I, I totally bought into that as well. And especially again with the with the added emotional tension of the way they lost their friend. Like, you know, that was always there. And it was interesting that it it, it, it was like um I'm trying to think of one guy's name, the guy that um twisted his ankle. That was so dumb. that was Dom, okay. So if you notice he immediately like it was almost like he had that card just waiting so that was like his ace card to play in any argument that they had if an argument ever came up he was like oh luke let me just throw this card in your face you know you let our friend die and the fact that 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 emotional tension was always there just at the just underneath the surface plus the the heightened tension of being lost in the woods Plus just, you know, those freaky ass nightmares that they had. Yeah, yeah. like you said, it, it made it made total sense that these friends would be arguing like that. And it made it uh, more believable given the uh, circumstances. Right, and when you connect that to where that exact scene, he's like, you're not my friend anymore. And it cracked him in the face. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it turns out that those are the last two left. And right, they, right. Still right there for each other. It's just like any other friendship. You fight, you hit each other, but you let it go. It doesn't really, really stay with you. Yeah, you, you know, know what? That's that's a, that's a very good point. Those two ended up being the last two, Luke and Dom. Right. Yeah. So I, I think it's great that you got to see that on camera. It wasn't just like, oh, fuck that guy, he's gone. Right, right. We're fighting about our own personal shit. And that's fine. And, you know, maybe if they made it out together, they would still have that between them. But it's not like I'm not going to try and save your life or that you're dead to me already. Yeah, exactly. So let me ask you, there's a couple of questions lingering about this movie. And, um, you know, I, we're assuming everyone's going to see it because Matt's spoilers have already been revealed. But so I <laughs> so when they make the decision to not stay on their own on the original path, but cut through the forest. The cabin that they saw off in the distance, was that their destination or was that the, like the demon village cabin? I thought in the beginning that it was where they were going. But then I realized at the completion of the film and when you realize the nightmares is that, no, they were already in the forest. Mm. The God made that up. Because remember, the movie starts with the first nightmare. Oh. I think it's giving you a backstory, but really, they're already in progress. Oh, hell. Like, it never showed how they got there, how long they'd actually been there. Oh, that's a serious mindfuck. Yeah, it just goes from that first morning that he wakes up and we're there. Oh, see that? Okay, so that, that actually went over my head. That's. That even adds more to the movie then. But see, I didn't get that until the end. Because, like, I would have never thought that was God. Like, I, when I first saw that little baby hand on the tree, I was just like, all right, it's tree people. It's some form of, you know. Oh, man, yeah. Like, the wrong turn franchise. Like, those people are just living in the woods. <laughs> the baby hand. <laughs> 
which the way they shot that also added a new element of cinematography for me. I don't know what they're going to call it, but like, I'm going to say zoom back. Like, it's like, I've seen that. Get... No, I've seen that. I've seen that effect before. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that, and, and it's very effective in horror movies, where it's hyper-focused, but it kind of pulls back, but it still maintains that sharp focus. Yeah. So I was like, what am I supposed to be seeing? What am I supposed to be seeing? And it was like, oh, shit, I see it. You know, the first time we saw that, and I'm about to, I'm about to remind you, it was uh, Lord of the Rings. They did that. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Wait. First time Same production team. So... Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So there you go. That's a that's a staple for them. <laughs> yeah, it's good use. Way to recycle it. So uh, over so overall, I mean, are are you are you ready to give like your overall grade or assessment of the movie? I think if I'm gonna go on a scale of one to five, I would definitely give it a four. The movie's very enjoyable. It brings a lot of new elements. Um, the thing I say the most is the, the little bit of choppy acting when he hurts himself. And then of course, uh, the ending. It didn't really bother me that much, but I can see how that might upset people. Cause he just sees a car passing by and you assume that he got out. But we don't really know if he got out. We don't really know if he was okay. Right. Because he fell down the hill and cracked his skull open. You know? Right. Yeah, uh, you know I agree with that. I think, um, like I always say, when I when I watch a movie and I if I have to grade a movie, my um, assessment is always, what is a movie trying to do, and does it do a good job of delivering the story? And I will say that this movie definitely delivered a very good story. It was acted well enough for a horror movie. It doesn't have to be a masterpiece. But um, yeah, it set out to uh, accomplish the story about the four friends and the, the feeling of loss and then getting lost. And then it was interesting that the title, The Ritual, served a dual purpose. And we actually didn't bring this up. They actually had their own little ritual for their friend that they carried out when they were at, kind of at that mountain. Yeah, so they carried out their ritual but then they were part of a larger ritual that sucked them in unbeknownst to them they were actually being sucked into a larger uh, more sinister ritual so that was a dual purpose for the title and you know beyond all that just delivering a badass new type of monster that got a nice uh, gradual reveal but then the payoff at the end was definitely worth it so yeah i give it four four out of five stars for sure yeah. definitely something that people will want to see and you, and you know what that ending was so powerful when you have him you know confronted by the god and you finally see him raised up and let's assume that he's angry and luke immediately bows down he's like you know what i'm choosing to worship you and that's when, I believe his name was Robert, the original guy that died. He does the flashback again, and he's pointing to the axe. And then, uh, you know, tiny hands right on his face, keeping him down. And he has this realization of, I'm over this moment. And he rises up and he strikes the god in his face with the axe. 
And to me, that was very symbolic of he finally got over his fear of not being able to act when he needs to act. Exactly. And I think that is how he was able to escape. I had two thoughts on that. A, when he struck the monster, the monster was, you know, weakened, taken back, and he couldn't keep up the subterfuge of the force. Right. Or B, the god figured out that, you know what, he, he hasn't suffered greatly anymore. Because mm -hmm. he did overcome it, I'll let him go. And so there has to be war back and forth session. So it's one of those things where, um, so at the, at the uh, one of the villagers actually said at one point, like, yeah, you've suffered, like your suffering is why you're chosen. But then I had the feeling that it was something where the demon god fed on fear because it felt like once Luke wasn't afraid. He had some kind of uh, not so much authority but kind of sway like he kind of caused the like the, the the demon god to like back away a little bit like it was stunned like oh you're not afraid anymore most definitely most definitely I think yeah the, the way he chooses them is based on fear because he's like these people will be subservient yeah and i don't have to worry about it. so fear and suffering i guess yeah the suffering is what brought him to the point of fear, I suppose. And it would have been interesting to see anyone else's backstory on either side. Any of the other three nightmares or any of how long had any of them? Some of them damn near were pilgrims. I mean, this is this. It was a perfect setup for a great prequel. Oh, I think you said prequel. Yeah, prequel. Yeah, prequel. Yeah. Because. You want to know how the hell that village even after the first like i really feel like and if uh david bruckner and andy circus ever hears this i want to say that they were in a living hell like somewhere along the line they got trapped there and they were there for hundreds of years so i yeah to me this that was definitely the ending set it up for like just a uh, a very awesome prequel to you know, uh, explore that a little bit more. Uh, definitely. I, I think there is a, there could be some tie-in. Um, again, you know, I tried to look up some of the Norse mythology of this creature, and there is an angle, and it would be an ugly tie-in, and I don't wish upon this whatsoever. But that same god is an offspring of Loki. And one oh, is that right? Yeah. So, not that I want an Avenger tie-in whatsoever, or this to get sucked into the MCU. Yeah, I, I, I can't even believe you even brought that up. <laughs> it would be interesting if, forwards or backwards in the timeline, if they tied in any other of the more popular gods. I think this will serve a purpose as a just one of the lower level levels of mythology, kind of like. Thor, Dark World, like this would be part of the Dark World, I guess. Yeah. But not that I want to see this. I'm just saying. <laughs> Wait a minute, you're all like, I don't want. I'm not saying I want to see this, but. <laughs> well, because you know, I can see anyone 20 years down the road. Let's revive this. I mean, we've, if you're a Marvel Comics fan, you've seen enough, a number of just just weird shit that, because, you know, the heroes got to fight something. So, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's crossed someone's mind. Like, 
maybe it's just a cut to a more modern Hendo helps them out of the forest the next time. Because he can see it. I mean, it's possible. It's you know, it's one of those things where it, it has the potential to grow into more. It, it was that's the thing about when you make a good movie and you, you give it the type of ending they gave it, it does leave the potential to grow the mythology into something else. So the fact that, like you said, that we don't exactly know what Luke's fate was, hey, maybe Luke comes back to fight it. Maybe it haunts him somewhere else. Or like I said, maybe we get the prequel to how that village got there in the first place. Yeah, I think you could definitely go several different ways. Maybe, maybe there's three parts to that force. So it could be. It's a completely different god. And he's got to overcome that god to get back to the road god. You know, well, I tell you, I like I, it, it's one thing when a, when when you can make a good villain, a good villain can be a, uh, very lucrative. I'm <laughs> here's an example, and this, in my opinion, is not even a good villain. Look at Jeepers Creepers. I just saw like Jeepers Creepers three, and, uh-huh. and it's like when you make it, let's just say, interesting enough monster. Yeah, you can milk that monster for a couple of more uh, spinoffs, and I think. In my opinion, I don't know how you felt. This was a pretty damn near interesting uh, monster. No, I, do, I definitely do agree. I would love to see it come back. I would love to get whatever this interpretation of a backstory it would get. Um, I, I don't want it to go the way of the Creeper. I, I, <laughs> the first two were pretty good for me. The third one, I was just like, eh. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It, it would definitely be interesting to see where they could go um, uh, I want to say the writer's name is Joe something let's just call him Joe for now okay. if you could figure out a way to tie it together that'd be badass I, I would definitely revisit any type of sequel, prequel wherever they want to go absolutely so yeah to the uh, audience out there uh, you get uh, two pretty good uh, uh, recommendations for the uh, ritual uh, we both gave it uh, out of a five star rating we both give it four stars uh, had enough uh, emotional content definitely good in terms of um, horror uh, the scare factor the mythology factor and most important in my opinion for a horror movie just had a damn good monster so yeah definitely check it out and there you have it uh so what's up for our next show uh there's just so much stuff coming out man um you know i I want to check out annihilation i i wasn't i didn't get a chance to see it yet but if you have anything else that you that's coming up yeah let me know did you have anything uh that you've seen recently Annihilation is definitely on my list. I, I I did see it. I do want to talk about it. It's it's. I'm not sure in brief if it should have been uh, worldwide release. I didn't check it in the theaters it's in, but I do think there's a lot of interesting things going on. The tone, the cast, uh, the overall message towards the end. Okay. So I I think it would be a great uh, follow up. All right, for sure. And plus, um, I did show you my 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 annual Netflix horror movie list, and I, I think you you said you were pretty impressed with that list. So I would say let's uh, 
let's go ahead and like talk about some of the best offerings that are on Netflix or in your case uh, you have Shudder but definitely for Netflix because I uh, I want to say was it Train to Busan that's that's a new classic and in my opinion that's a new classic that that was a good one it definitely is yeah and I, I know you gave me the film Baskin I haven't had time to watch it yet but I still <laughs> want to catch that you know, uh, yeah, and we were, and we'll, we'll cover this more in another episode. We'll have to do a whole episode on just foreign features. But I was telling you, you know, the good thing about foreign features is whatever standards, moral standards there are that Americans stick to, yeah, they don't stick to those standards. No. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a great. That's um, Baskin is. I, I, I want to say it's Turkish. But it really gets into some deep, freaky, uh, yeah. Nah. <laughs> and, and you know that that is actually true to this film as well. You don't really ever see films where people get solicited and hung up in a tree, like it's no, no deal. Right? Yeah. No, you don't. That's one of the beauties of. That's why when it comes to horror, I I tend to stick to foreign horror for sure. And I really didn't even realize that that happened until you said that. I was like, we just covered this. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, then, yeah, maybe we should do a best of video on demand episode as well. For sure, man. All right, folks, that's it. I'm Gray. He's Jay. We're out of here. <laughs> what was that? Was wait a minute? What was that? Was that like a an alert? <laughs> it's eight o'clock. It's eight o'clock. <laughs> okay.